Welcome to the Herbs Podcast, which stands for Herbs with Erin, Remedies for Body and Spirit. I'm Erin Lefave, herbalist and plant priestess. I help people explore the power of herbs to create optimal wellness and strengthen their spiritual practice so they can feel healthy and connected. All information is for educational purposes and not meant to take the place of certified medical advice. Today's episode is with guest Amy Anthony. Amy Anthony is a certified clinical aromatherapist and aromatic gardener. She is one of New York City's top aromatherapy practitioners, host of the Essential Aromatic Podcast, and tends to her own aromatic garden on the North Fork of Long Island, where she distills her unique products. Amy Anthony is currently the New York State Representative for the Alliance of International Aromatherapists and has her private practice called NYC Aromatica, which includes one-on-one customized aromatherapy sessions, online class offerings, corporate consulting, and article writing. Well, welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Erin. Thanks for having me on this full moon day. Ah, yes. Lovely full moon. I don't know if we'll see it here today because we are pretty cloudy. We've had snow for so long. I don't know if I'll ever see the sky, it seems like. Oh. (laughs) What is, can you tell us, tell the listeners, you are a certified clinical air aromatherapist. Can you tell us what that is, what that means to our listeners? Definitely. It's a great question because within the industry, we're often changing the meaning. So to become a certified aromatherapist, just like a certified herbalist, you have to be aligned with the school, undergo training, and those schools have to be aligned with associations. And I became certified. I have my second level certification You just have to be aligned with an organization like the Alliance of International Aromatherapists, which I'm the current New York State representative, or the the National Association for Holistic Aromatherapy. These bodies set guidelines for education standards and ethical guidelines and things like that. So um, when I say I'm a clinical aromatherapist, again, that name's kind of, I think it's changed again. You can have your level one, which means you studied for like oh, I should know this, 100 hours, you did five case studies, you know, you um, that's about it. You took an exam and level two used to be, and I think still is in some circles called a clinical aromatherapist, meaning you went through, again, I should know this, 500 hours, you uh, worked on 15 case studies, you wrote a paper, you took a pretty rigorous exam uh, back back in those days. I think it was a little harder Uh So it just means, yeah, I have through my training experience, even before I could hang my shingle up saying I'm an aromatherapist. So, so some people can call themselves an aromatherapist without Mm -hmm. any training. Is that right? I mean, it's kind of the same thing with herbalist, herbalist training. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's the same thing, honestly, that I, cause I studied herbalism under Jim McDonald in Michigan. And it's like, he's, he said, Rightfully so, because it's plant medicine. He's like, now that you've gone through my training and you know, you could be a self-herbalist, self-taught, he's like, you can call yourself an herbalist. It's like, yeah, you can, just like an aromatherapist. You study the oils by yourself. And yeah, it's you know, it is. Yeah, there's pros and cons to certification, right? <laughs> yep. Yes. 
I yeah. think the best um, advice I can give to people listening about these certifications is just you have to know the person that you're getting your aromatherapy or herbalism or whatever advice from. Find out, you know, what their background is. And if you're comfortable with that, then move forth. So that's why I asked you what your background was so people would know it here. Yeah. And, you know, on that note, like on my website, and I think several other people offer, like, contact the person it, they should be ideally open to a conversation with you. Don't expect free, like lots of free advice, but a 15 minute conversation so you can feel each other out because you might not like the person's personality, exactly. like a doctor, right? Right. So. <laughs> exactly. That's very, it's very important, you know, when you're working in these healing modalities and, um, you know, you, you have to be okay with the, the, their energy, their personalities. So here we are, everybody. You get to learn Amy's personality and style here today. So it also says that you're an aromatic gardener. I am also a gardener and all those things. Um, tell us what that's all about. I love it's like such a marketing type thing, like aromatic gardener. And honestly, it means I really am a student of aromatic plants so yes, uh, I garden to keep uh, keep my plants and the deer, keep the deer away. So deer don't like aromatic plants, generally speaking, nor do rabbits. And part of that's just like, oh, I like to see my plants and not have them eaten. Um, but part of that is also myself as a teacher and practitioner. If I don't know what the plants look like, how they grow, their preferred growing conditions, their life, how can I be a true teacher, practitioner, student? So to be outside in the garden, we know it's therapy just to be outside in nature and be with the plants, but to, to try to understand the plant, I think it's, it's needed. It's needed if you have the ability to garden. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, getting to know the plant in its own um, home is what I yep. advocate as well. So I'm, my ears perked up when you said a deer and rabbit typically don't like these aromatic ones. I have the situation here too. Um, but for our listeners who don't know the difference between aromatic versus non-aromatic, can you give us some maybe examples or describe that a bit? Yeah, this, this is a fun question because it's kind of like how I, there's a couple ways to answer it. So from the aromatherapist standpoint, um, I look to work with plants that are aromatic by definition, where we obtain essential oils and essential oils by definition, um, their backbone is the terpene. We start, start to talk about chemistry. So yes, I could start to think about aromatic things like, oh gosh, gardenia, or things that smell pretty, that doesn't mean you can derive an essential oil. Essential oils must be obtained through steam distillation, which is a tough process for the plant to undergo. But again, the root is the terpenes. And a lot of people are starting to understand and know that term because of all the research out on cannabis. And cannabis is a terpene. So you could start to look at the chemistry of that. But that, when I've thought about that, question that's to me the real good answer even though it's I think if you never heard of what a terpene is you may be like what <laughs> <laughs> well that's it's really I love the chemistry of it too I fa failed miserably at chemistry right <laughs> but it's so fascinating to me as this at the same time like I learn a lot from chemistry but I don't get a good grade in chemistry <laughs> 
but the terpene, knowing that the terpenes is that one, you know, of a solid definition of aromatics and I is good. I also think of aromatics, like you said, really strong sense. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, there's some that don't are not aromatic, like stinging nettle, for instance, I I don't consider that an aromatic. I I physically cannot smell anything of it. So for people, um, who are, you know, have a garden, you may think, oh, I may have some aromatic plants because I know like my sage is really, really strong. And, um, you know, so I'm glad you brought up there's like different definitions of what that aromatic yeah. is. And there's something that also within what you're saying is, oh, yes, the sages, the thymes, the cilantros, the cypress trees, your conifer trees, um, but not all aromatics smell pretty. And I'm making air quotes here. Because if you smell like white sage, not everyone loves the way that smells. Or like, I think a lot of people associate aromatic with pretty, with floral. And you know what? I love this. When you smell yarrow, you're like pretty flower and you smell yarrow, right? You're like, interesting. And when you smell yarrow hydrosol, you're like, what? That's almost, ugh. So it's like aromatic. Again, I, I, I like that chemistry kind of definition, but aromatic means you 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 can smell it your scent re- receptors are picking that up because of that the volatility therefore the small quality of the molecules and the solubility of that cuz um they are very lipid loving and they love to penetrate and work with our mucosa ah uh, so volatile oil means that something will evaporate right into yes, the yeah. atmosphere so it can get to us and mm-hmm. then our noses can detect it. Um, yeah. For those of us who have smell, who can smell, right? And then yes. it does. Do you know much about? I'm going to throw a really nuanced question at you. Do you know if they go through the blood brain barrier yeah. through the nose? Yes, that's a great question. So I've spent a couple of years trying to find research on this and it's out there. So when we're smelling an oil, we have chemistry involved and that volatility is so important, right? So you're detecting smell through the olfactory nerves, the olfactory bulbs, which are two nips, two synapses away from cortical tissue. We're going right to one, two, three to the hippocampus for memory recall, retention, memory formation. We're also going to the amygdala complex where um, emotions are, but you're also you can have this working with the molecules can be small enough. We're looking at 15 carbons or less to go into tissue and travel and penetrate the blood brain barrier. And when we're smelling an oil, we're also inhaling and getting it into the bloodstream through the lungs. So I know as an herbalist, like we, we know um, smoking things can be an effective delivery system to the lungs through the lungs. Right. And I know, um, there's a lot of science in work towards nasal delivery for drugs because we can't penetrate the blood-brain barrier. In going back to the terpene thing, the molecules, some molecules are small enough to do that, to get into the cerebral spinal fluid. Yeah. It's crazy. It is, it's wild to think of. Yeah, as herbalists, we're thinking about how can we get it through your skin and your digestive yep. system. Um, I mean, there's even suppositories. There's all these like yep. places where you can get things into the body. And so essential oils are a quick way to literally get it into your your bloodstream. Um, 
and we can talk about safety too, but uh, in a yes. second, but I've, yes. I've seen research about lavender essential oils now that they can, they show that they do penetrate the blood brain barrier mm-hmm. and which is all very good because um, essential oils, they have pros and cons, but one of the pros is that it's a quick, it's a quick thing that we can do. And I, I heard on one of your podcasts, you're talking about how if you're walking through a city and you don't have much nature connection, whip out this essential oil of some sort or, um, and you can have that connection. So, uh, yeah, you want to talk about that a little bit? I would love that because that's part of my journey is, you know, I grew up in a pretty rural ish area in the Hudson Valley of New York. And then, um, Fast forward, I ended up in New York City and I I love nature. I love playing around the skunk weed and the milkweed. And um, I knew I I was disconnected. I was in a fourth story walk up and I knew as soon as I moved to New York City, I was like, I am ungrounded and I needed connection. And the essential oils found me. I'll spare you my whole story here, but they found me and I kept saying yes. So I eventually sought certification teaching. And part of this path, has been the realization that essential oils are this way to connect us with nature. So if you're stuck inside in an office building in an inner city with lack of access to nature, you can go get a bottle of lavender or eucalyptus or uh, like right. I have thyme in front of me. I have some sand sage from the Southwest. You can smell that. And that's the beautiful thing for safety olfactory aromatherapy is this quote safest you can do because you're not putting it on the skin. We don't have to dilute it. You can smell one drop on a cotton pad from the bottle is one way, two two ways, one on a cotton pad or direct from the bottle. Smell for 30 seconds and you're going to see something change in yourself. And like you're saying, it's quote fast, you know, but it's it's powerful. I see it happen in my daily life and with students and clients. It's powerful. Right. And I always say even your cup of tea, you know, the, the aromatics are coming off of that too. And sometimes people are like, well, I don't really like a cup of tea or it's like, it takes too long. I'm like, if you just make it and smell it, <laughs> that can, that can be all you need. I agree. So by the way, I, I, uh, weekly, volunteer at a place called St. George's. It's a volunteer run soup kitchen and I make the soup. And yesterday I had bay leaves going on the side to put in my Cuban black bean soup on the side, like an infusion. And I love it when I do that because I open that pot with like 30 bay leaves in it. And I'm just like, oh my God, you know, that's aromatherapy. I don't even need the essential oil. No, because I'm sure everybody can (laughs) smell that as well. And that, that smell is so just, I don't know. It's kind of like, when people smell, a lot of people will smell like um, stuffing, you know, like stuffing mm. from turkeys and stuff like that. And they just love it. They're like, oh, it reminds me of family and home. And and yeah, bay leaves have that kind of same smell. They do. And you're touching on something that's really important to aromatherapy because we can get into like, oh, I have aches and pains or I need help sleeping. But some of the power is that memory association. So if I compare let's say someone has anxiety or just something where they they need some kind of connection. They want to feel a little happy. If you can pair them with an oil or a blend of oils that they can smell, you're changing their emotions. If it reminds them of home and that's a good connotation, 
that changes their mood that can make them smile. That changes your whole hormone cascade. Right. So what's wrong with that? Yeah, that's, (laughs) that's really powerful stuff too. Like you don't, like you're saying, you don't have to ingest plants all the time. And the essential oils don't ingest essential oil. That was my next question. How are you (laughs) going to, how do you feel? What are your thoughts on ingesting essential oils? I am not a proponent of them. There is a few um, recipes uh, for lozenges where you can add a a Mm -hmm. little bit of peppermint oil, but it's very diluted. So I'm going to defer to you on this. (laughs) So you know a lot. So thanks for deferring to me. But yes, dilution. When you're taking like this time here, I don't have the stats in front of me. You're taking hundreds of pounds of thyme plant the little um, leaves with the hard woody parts, some of them, hundreds of pounds to get a tiny bit of oil. So you're talking 100% essential oil, highly concentrated. So when we talk about essential oils in a formula, we're looking to work with 1% of 100, right? 2%, 3%. Internal use, I have made suppositories on a schedule, diluted. I have made cough syrup diluted, right? But uh, I'm a proponent of go to the whole herb, start with nutrition, drink the lemon water. Don't put lemon essential oil into your water or tea, Uh, cook with the whole plant, turn to an herbalist preparation. And as, as a last resort, that herbalist might be putting an essential oil highly diluted into something because these are so concentrated, you could develop an irritation in your mucosa, your liver has to process these things. So there's some highly problematic components that your liver takes a couple days to process more than 24 hours, like ketones. So be careful. That's why you work with an aromatherapist uh, if you're really looking to do this kind of stuff. Right. Because, you know, when we make lemon water, versus lemon essential oil those are different those like different parts of the plant are coming into when we're when when essential oils are distilled you're, like you said you're talking like terpenes i don't even know what else but there's things that are being extracted mm-hmm. that are not extracted when you just put a lemon wedge in your water yeah and that's the thing too i think you'll see a lot of BS information on the internet, like lemon essential oil has vitamin C. Nope. That's left over in the still not happening. That's not coming over in the oil. A big one is boswellic acids with frankincense, an amazing resin, right? The acids stay in the water. They stay over. They don't come over into the essential oil. So there's a lot of crap being being regurgitated on the internet. It's just not right. Yeah. Uh, I, there's a particular essential oil company, I will not name names, mm -hmm. (laughs) that was, you know, teaching their consultants to, to ingest things. And I just thought, oh no, I'm all about people using plants for self-empowerment. And, but we also need to, we also need to educate ourselves on that before we just shove it in our mouths. (laughs) Yeah. And I have to give a plug here because I'm a big proponent for people finding like you, like local herbalists, local aromatherapists. So go to the AIA, Alliance of International Aromatherapists, see the information they have on there. Don't go to TikTok, you know, or whatever. 
go to naha.org to get information and find a local aromatherapist to work with. Just like there's the uh, um, American Herbalist Guild, right? You go there and you're going to find a registered uh, herbalist or like you want good information that's vetted. Yeah. And full disclosure, I'm not on the American Herbalist Guild. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, no, that's fine. I thought you were. That's why I said no. it. <laughs> no, that's fine. It's fine. It's a whole process. I could do it. It takes um, it takes a lot uh, to kind of get through the process. But I've been trained with the same level as they would be looking for, you know, the the hours and all that kind of stuff. It's just the process that um, I haven't done th- gone through. But like we said before, like you said, you just know the per you get to know the person you ask them hey are you in the american herbalist guild or um you know are do you have the same are you close to the to their standards or what how many hours did you have or whatever so you know yeah. there's different ways to people oh, are totally yeah. and i wanted to give uh on my level too like there's a level three that i audited and i opted to not take level three aromatherapy i audited the material and i was like i don't need that certification and that starts to get into internal use and like aromatic medicine. And I'm like, I can't even practice that in this country. So I'm like, so I don't need that. And that's another thing as a practitioner is you decide, like, do you need to take, take that to some level? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you don't. And sometimes there's just barriers, time, money. Um, oh my God. Yeah. All sorts of things. So, I mean, yeah, this is an important conversation we're having about certification I love that <laughs> you can even see <laughs> amongst ourselves the variation so um there was something else about um oh is there any other safety another safety tip we can give to people oh, yeah. about um it well yes. even smelling them even smelling them there's some tips probably with smelling yeah, there's, uh, that's a great question because there are multiple pathways to the body. We're not talking internal, right? There's the olfactory route, the respiratory route, which go hand in hand, and then dermal. So the olfaction, one thing to be mindful of is you need 30 seconds to three to five minutes to smell and, and to get the, the chemistry change right in your body. And we could do that through inhaler sticks, smelling from the bottle, smelling from a cotton pad, diffusion aromatherapy. So nebulizing diffusers or ultrasonic. Ultrasonic is the one where you put water in. It's much more diluted than a nebulizer, of course. Um, don't do that every day, 24-7 diffusing. I have a class on that. It's free. Uh, there's guidelines for diffusion. You know, five to 10 minutes on, take an hour break. Um, you don't need to do it all the time and less is more with all aromatherapy, but, uh, this might make sense. Haha, <laughs> pun intended. Uh, when you smell something, you can have olfactory fatigue. We do this all the time in our homes. If you wear perfume, like I can't smell it anymore because you're desensitized. So you will have to take a break. Um, as a, as a story for myself, I will often be blending or studying an oil and I need to keep my door open. I have a fan on if I, if I'm around the oils for too long, I start to get lightheaded. I feel loopy. This is my nervous system responding. So that is talking about olfaction. I hope that was helpful. 
Um, but dermal is something because we love our body products, right? Like I have an herbal oil here with essential oils. I just went through surgery. I'm in my third week of recovery for women's things. I had a hysterectomy and I'm applying herbal oils with essential oils to my abdomen right now for the scar and pain. And I'm choosing 5% dilution of essential oils right now. That's high, but I'm working with pain and scar repair. Um, probably using this for about a week, maybe two weeks. So I'm thinking mindfully about how much essential oil I'm putting in that because it's topical. It will go into my bloodstream. My liver has to process it all that. Right. So if I work with an oil for too long at too high of a dilution, I can burn myself. If it's clove or lemongrass, like have an irritation, I could become sensitized where actually my body starts to say, I can't take that oil anymore. I'm breaking out into a rash. No. And this happens with massage therapists a lot where you can't use that oil for months, maybe even ever because your, your body's like, stop. Oh, I can go in a soapbox if you want me to. <laughs> well, I, I just think about uh, an incident in the news. I heard about a few years ago where somebody put straight peppermint oil on the bottom of like an uh, infant's feet, you know, less than a year old. Right. And they went into convulsions. So, oh my God. yeah. So, you know, they were trying to take their healthcare into their own hands. I understand that, but, um, but here we are, we're giving some information to people. This is, this is part of the education. So people can put things into their own hands, literally, yep. but do it safely. Yes. So. Yeah, it's again, um, thank you for bringing up that news about that baby because yeah, less is more with aromatherapy and I cannot stress enough, turn to the herbs and herbal preparations. And I think aromatherapy shines through olfaction, meaning smell and working with mood and emotional states. And then there's all these other herbal preparations to go to for working with health conditions Um in things like diabetes or digestive issue. I mean, this is a big topic. I have to shut up. Pause. <laughs> right. I know we, we probably should do some more episodes on this. I'm sure we could go on and on. Um, so let's talk quickly about can essential oils go bad? Can they go rancid? This is more of a personal question that I've always wondered. I have some that are quite old and they still smell good, but is there anything to determine when should we just toss them? Yeah, that's a great question. So it depends, it goes back to that terpene question. So the backbone of essential oils are hydrocarbons and they don't have oxygen and oxygen always wants to come in. So when you have your highly terpenic oils, like the conifers, any of the pines, uh, spruces, etc., citruses, um, those want oxygen wants to come in. So if you're always opening and closing a bottle of lemon oil or like Scott's pine or, uh, hemlock spruce, the oxygen will come in. That's why we have those, um, orifice reducers on to not just drop out stuff. This is an inexact way to dispense. It's to keep oil from spilling and keep oxygen from coming in. So those citrus slash like, um, excuse me, citrus and especially the conifer oils, even like tea tree, uh, there's some others, a year to two years. 
you can smell them. Smell is a good test. The organoleptic testing is important. Smell it. If it smells flat or off, you know it's bad. Clean with it. Use it to clean your floors. The terpenes are great solvents. Um, they really cut grease. Uh, that's why citruses are so good. But patchouli, like the heavier oils, uh, rose, patchouli, vetiver, those are the heavier ones that get better with age and they can hang out for like five years, six years. So it's really a, a good test is if it flies out of the bottle, like, like it's really a thin oil, uh, that will generally go bad more quickly and use your oil up within one to two years. Um, and that's why you buy five milliliters. You're not going to buy 20 milliliters unless you're really blending first off, you know? Right. And that's, and the other thing, you know, sometimes people are like, I can't believe that bottle is so much. It's so tiny. Well, tiny doesn't mean <laughs> anything because like you said, literally think of like hundreds of pounds of a plant, which is a lot people just go weigh something once and just see. And imagine it in this tiny bottle, like the, yep. the essential oils have been distilled into it, you know, and that's what you want to think about too. If you're like wanting to ingest something, imagine your teacup with one drop of essential oil, imagine yourself yep. just eating a whole gallon bucket of a plant. Yeah. yeah. That's a great analogy. Yeah. That it goes back to that the distillation process creates this highly concentrated matter. We need to respect it that way. And we're talking about the life force of a plant. And when you think about the plant, like that lavender plant that's out there and you see it, that lavender plant's creating essential oil for, its, to, for it to thrive. And it takes energy. It takes metabolic energy for that plant to produce these compounds. So it's only producing tiny amounts of that oil and these special secretory structures that actually hold the oil. So it protects the plant. It's the plant's membranes from that oil. Mm. Like it's the, even the plants, like I'm holding this in the structure because it's special. And then when an insect come and attacks it or something happens, the oil's exposed. So it's kind of part of the plant's immunity and defense system. So like, even when you think of it that way, you're like, wow, that's precious. Cause that plant's taking metabolic energy away from root growth, photosynthesis to produce this stuff. Yeah. You know, the like, secondary metabolites, meaning they don't need it to, they don't need it to live necessarily in terms of yeah. it's not their nutrition. They're using it for um, protection against insects and diseases and things that are coming to attack it so that's what it's making it or or they're making it to attract things that come yes. help pollinate too but they're yes. very they're very um they're very you know, dense even for the plant yeah I think I know a lot of students when I was teaching level one and level two certification a lot of students would be really surprised when you when they get into the the plants perspective as we understand it right uh, it's, it's mind blowing. Yeah. And I know you, like when I've been reading about you and your work, you care, you care about the plant from the beginning through the process of the herbalist working with it. So to have this understanding really helps us appreciate how we work with plants. Right. 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 Just not like, Oh, this is in a bottle. And that's, that's all I have. Like knowing, like you said, what, what does this plant look like? How does it grow? That's always to me just so much. It's so awesome. <laughs> so it is. 
I'm really trying to work with plants that I can see and grow myself. But, you know, like frankincense and patchouli will never grow here. And I really love those smells too. So, yeah. I grow patchouli every year here on Long Island and I distill it for its hydrosol. And I just dream one day to go to India or something to meet patchouli. And it's like where it's like, yes, this is where I belong. Yeah, right. We're just bringing it up for here. I did grow patchouli once because I did find the plant in a greenhouse and I was like, wow, that's what this is. This is great. Yeah. So is there any plant or herb that you're currently working with that's like sparked your interest, um, either new or old to you? What's what's kind of on your on your plate, so to speak? Well, it's, thanks for asking that because A, I don't, uh, the question when I've asked, like, which oil do you love? I'm like, all of them, but uh, near and dear to my heart is getting to really understand or get to know the local North American aromatic plants. So someone I've been getting to know slowly is sweet fern. And I know the, uh, yeah, I know. I will have to send you some of the hydrosol. I've been working with it as a tea, as a hydrosol with the essential oil, and it's all a little different. Uh, the the effects on the mind. And I'm not even thinking about like topical application, but sweet fern um, is someone I am in love with. And it's a great anti-inflammatory and the hydrosol, it literally clears your mind when you do a hydrosol tasting. It, it like clears mu like muckiness. If you're feeling like the uh, like chamomile sleepy, it just wipes that away. And it's like, Poof. But I noticed the oily, like the essential oil is actually quite sedative. So it's fun to work with different preparations of the plant. So Comptonia peregrina, for those who love the Latin. And then another friend uh, said, um, I want to say Cedrus, Virginian cedar, Wajunaparis virginiana is someone I'm slowly getting, taking the time to know. I see it all over Long Island and it's a special plant. And I think it's important for us to not really fall in love. Like there's more than tea tree out there, guys. That's all I'm saying here is we get to meet local friends who like, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's important to stay local, I think, and respect our local flora and fauna. Yeah, I am there with you because I am starting to pose the question, why are we using the herbs that we use in Western herbalism? What has led us to that? And we can get into a whole conversation of colonization and racism, <laughs> all this mm -hmm. stuff too. So, and just this weird uh, fascination that uh, Western society has of the exotic, the exotic is better. And yeah. in fact, what is right here with us is just as, as good um, and maybe even better. We don't know because we have lost focus of it. But with yeah. sweet fern, I want to go back to sweet fern because I love that plant as well doesn't grow very much in this part of Wisconsin that I'm in grows a little bit more north but I can remember the first time I saw that plant and I just was like almost in tears for some reason because it, I felt like I had met somebody that I hadn't seen in a long time I, I so, somehow remembered it and um just how precious it was and um yeah so I will be following you on what you like well, and you're bringing up a point I try to say a lot is uh, the, the, I know you know this, the insects and plants have this continued evolution of responding to each other. So the essential oils work on insects nervous system to do what you're saying, like to stupefy 
And we're the human, we're bigger, like mass wise, right? So what can stupefy and like almost kill an insect will just make us a bit sleepy or sedative or, you know, the soporifics, which it's hard to find a soporific in essential oils. There's not so many of them, but uh, you started to give me the chills and you're talking about sweet fern. It just makes me so happy. Um, and as a tip, like sweet fern um, is known to work well. There's, I think like Matt Wood writes about this too. Uh, make a topical poultice of the plant for poison ivy. Mm. Uh, so it's not just like jewel weed and others. There's, um, of course, uh, sweet fern. Um, but yeah, I I have uh, an article written about sweet fern and information that uh, I have to try to distribute. But I wrote it for someone else and they haven't published it. So that was disappointing. Well, you, you I'll have can... to get that to you somehow. Yeah, you get the rights back, right? So you can get it out. Um, yeah, this those plants can be um, so emotionally interesting for people. If so, if you're listening and you're not consider yourself an herbalist or an arom- aromatherapist or anything, but you've had this experience with plant, you know, take take note of it and and get to know that plant some more. Yeah, it's like it's knocking at your door saying, pay attention. So you don't know where it will lead you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we've talked about a lot of things and I would like people to know where they can find you. Um, so how can they follow you or contact you? It's your time to tell us all the things. Thank you, Erin. Um, well, again, I'm giving a plug. This is part of my podcast journey of find a local aromatherapist. I only do in-person consultations, uh, FYI. So the Alliance of International Aromatherapists, or go to Naha for our Canadian friends, the Canadian Federation of Aromatherapists. But if you want to find my plant talk videos, go to my website. I plant talk articles. I have free classes. Um in some other classes at nycaromatica.com. Or you could follow, uh, check my podcast out, which really is, of course, essential oil centric, uh, essential aromatica. Um, But I am a big proponent of, yes, sharing this information and being a voice for the awareness of aromatherapy. Wonderful. Well, thank you for doing all that you do. And thank you for your time and um, wonderful discussion about plants and essential oils. And terpenes. Terpenes. (laughs) Erin, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you for joining the Herbs Podcast. Please connect with me on fullcircleherbals.com or at the Facebook page, Full Circle Herbals. I'd be happy to receive suggestions for future podcast topics.